Good evening and hope you had an awesome day. So tonight is a special night on the calendar known as Lag Omer. Literally translates as the 33rd day in the count of the Omer, which is the 49-day count that connects Pesach to Shavuos. It's a really special day for several reasons, but I'm only going to focus on one of them tonight, that being that it is the yurt site of a great sage by the name of Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, or otherwise known by his acronym Rashbi. Rashbi was one of the preeminent students of Rebbe Akiva, who we mentioned in episode 123, and was best known for being the author of the prime primary source of Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism called the Zohar. You might have heard of it. The word Zohar means shining, since this source of wisdom literally illuminated the world and continues to illuminate the souls that study it with some of the deepest teachings on a most profound level. Now, we're not talking Madonna, Kabbalah Center stuff. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. We're talking wisdom that transforms and refines a human to the most elevated level. And no, nothing to do with wearing red string bracelets either. Absolutely nothing. Now, after hearing the story of Rabbi Akiva, you might be wondering, where did Rashbi gain all of this wisdom and author all of his works? Well, it wasn't in the great study halls or a fine yeshiva, but rather while he was secluded in a cave with his son for 12 years as he hid it from Roman persecution. During those years, he not only continued his learning, but without the distractions of the world around him, he was able to delve deeper into the text and explore mystical ideas that he was able to reveal and then ultimately share with the world. In a sense, he lived a life of isolation and used that time to reflect explore, study, reveal, and bring a shining light of clarity into the world when he came back out. All of that is amazing in and of itself, but the part of the story that I would like to focus on is what happened when the Roman king died and Rashbi was safe and able to finally come out. Having probed and gained access to such spiritual depths of truth and reality, he came out on a spiritually advanced level. However, because of his intense holiness, he had a hard time relating to the regular mundane world and simply could not understand the life and existence that most people were living. People were just plowing or sowing fields or playing solitaire. He couldn't understand how they would just spend time doing such mundane actions as opposed to using their limited time on earth to pursue spiritual heights and accruing merit for the next world. In fact, the Talmud and Tractate Shabbos 33b tells how things would literally self-combust, actually burst into flames when he trained his fiery eyes on them because the two opposites, spirituality and banality, could not coexist. But when this happened a few times, a bus call, a heavenly voice called out and said, Really, Rashbi, did you come out from the cave in order to destroy my world? Stop, turn around, and go back into the cave. And he did. And he stayed there for another 12 months, at which point the divine voice told him that he can come out again. And he did. But no longer did things burst into flames, but rather anything he set his eyes on became healed. The exact opposite. Interesting story. But the question that's asked is an obvious one. If I read the story correctly, before Rashbi went into the cave, he was able to interact with the outside world and nothing would blow up when he looked at it. That's a good thing. When he went into the cave and then came out, things started blowing up. That was not good. So if that's the case, the last place I would want to send him back into is that cave. That's where the trouble started. While he might have reached great spiritual levels of holiness, what actually led him into not being able to tolerate the mundane world around him was the cave. Wouldn't it make more sense to tell him to spend more time out in the fields? Going back into the cave would cause even bigger problems. But it didn't. The answer I remember learning about 20 years ago, which still stays with me to this very day, is as follows. But to answer it, we need to understand three stages of spiritual growth. The first stage of life is one where when we coexist with the mundane reality and pursuits around us, because we simply don't feel enough how wrong it is, it doesn't bother us. 
If I live in a world where people are stealing or mistreating people or speaking poorly of others or running after things like greed and materialism or simply just wasting time and it doesn't bother me, then that is actually a problem. Because if it did bother me, I wouldn't be able to just carry on with business as usual when everything around me is so wrong. The next level of growth occurs when I learn and gain greater clarity into our existence in the world, the reason why we're here, and understanding that I'm only here for a short visit, and that my goal in life is to pursue things that have eternal purpose and to make a difference. And when I realize that, it becomes hard for me to actually tolerate people or actions that do not reflect that same awareness. Much like if I lived in a society that was immoral and I strove for morality, I'd get really upset or dejected or even become zealous in my need to try and get rid of the immorality. But let's be honest. A person with this mindset can't really coexist with reality in a healthy fashion. And at the end of the day, God put us here to live in this world and not to be angry with it. So the heavenly voice, God, tells us to go back into the cave and to go back and learn even more. Because the highest level of spiritual growth is that, yes, on one hand, you cannot even fathom living a life that's mundane or immoral or petty or which pursues things that are the antithesis of values. But then you also realize that the reason why God put you here and the true highest level of spiritual living is that you see what's wrong and rather than consume it with your fire, you illuminate it with your light. You realize that the wisdom, growth, spiritual light that you have is not meant to destroy the world, but to shine your rays and heal, uplift, and inspire the world around you. That, my friend, takes real growth. Don't live in a world where you tolerate that which is wrong. And don't live in a world where you are intolerant of those who pursue misguided values. Rather, live in a world where you heal and elevate everything around you using the wisdom of your tradition and not only learn the Zohar, but be a Zohar, a shining light. We're all meant to shine. It takes a lot of work, but it's worth it. May our growing radiance serve as a merit to the neshama of Rashbi, and may his eternal light continue to fuel our flame, our bonfires, even brighter. And on that note, have a wonderful night and I'll see you tomorrow.